Welcome to the User Guide to Humans introductory series on the persona archetypes. And today, Erica, we are doing episode seven, all about relationships. Soulmates mm -hmm. to soulmates. Think of yourself being in a jail cell in a relationship. How many of those are there out there? We've all had those. We're talking about parenting. We're talking about romantic relationships. We're talking about how we sabotage and overwhelm our friendships. And I think basically the theme of this episode is naming why we are so lonely. This world is very, very lonely and isolated and we don't have great emotional intelligence skills to know how to navigate relationships. We keep messing up, but we don't mean to and we don't want to. That's what we're starting to look at today in this episode. Last episode, we talked about the user guide to humans, which is the course where we encourage people to dive in and do their own work, to do their self-discovery, their, their overcoming, their blockades and triggers and becoming more familiar with themselves, practicing their muscles, flexing their emotional intelligence and bringing themselves from child to adult. But I think today we'd like to talk about how we can bring it into our lives with other people, other people we love, other people we want to be close to, but mm. we struggle oh. with other people. We, you know, we struggle to connect and we don't understand why, you know, I, I, I heard someone say the other day that, you know, friendships should be easy. If they're not easy, they're not the right friend for you. And I, it really bothered me and I couldn't really figure out why. And then I thought, because they're not easy, no. like replace it with anything else. Like, sibling relationships replace it with your romantic relationships they're not easy and why aren't they easy why are relationships so hard so interesting relationships are so hard and we've got a lot of regrets all of us for all sorts of relationships that have not been able to last and a lot of grief there but what happens is when we're unconscious and we don't know ourselves well we bring our personas to the table in every relationship and we bring also our holes, what's been missing when we grew up, ways in which we weren't seen, heard, understood and validated. And so we have a need unconsciously that comes and we come to a relationship, romantic or friendship, and we want that person to be able to fill in that hole in ourselves so we can get quite upset, quite reactive when the other whatever the role of the relationship is, doesn't behave as we want. It's like we're seeking unconsciously. When we're in our child behaviours, Erica, our child is seeking unconditional love and parenting and support. No matter how I turn up, how, how dark I am, how reactive I've been, how destructive I've been, I, I would like you, my friend, to be unconditionally loving and supportive of me and just keep putting up with that and say, yes, you're justified. Yes, that's right. I'm with you. Almost, if you like, we want from the other to parent us and to, to validate, yes, that's terrible, the trauma you've had, but also hold you and embrace you in that trauma without us moving on. So people can get stuck in their trauma stories in relationships and keep going for the same types of people, same types of friends. They can have trauma in their family blueprints and their childhood um, lives where someone particularly did not understand them. Someone particularly did not get them. You didn't speak the same personas. You don't understand each other. And there was a massive clash. We're drawn like a magnet to people with those same personas who don't understand us 
and we're mm. trying to get their love and approval and understanding. Yet if we're going to the people who don't have our personas, we'll have exactly the same outcomes time and time and time again. Mm. Yeah, and that's challenging. I mean, it, in talking about it, this as work and going from doing work on ourselves to actually starting to associate to other people to to add that dimension of another person with their own personas with their own history with their own blueprint with their own child stories yes. and then trying to interact so now we're talking about doing work where we're present with ourselves we acknowledge where we go ourselves and we're introducing another person and we're trying to get along and we desperately long for friendships. We long for close relationships. We're really lonely. We are People lonely. Are super lonely. It's, you know, pandemic times, right? We, we don't spend as much time together. I don't know about you, but every single event I was supposed to go to has been canceled for the last two years, pretty much. Yeah. You know, I, I love going out dancing. That's where I see a lot of my friends and I haven't been doing that. And dancing in front of the computer screen at home is not the same. <laughs> I'm sure it's not. I'm sure it's not, Erica. It's true we are lonely, and that's one of the byproducts of um, the pandemic is, in a sense, we've been forced to sit with ourselves and in, in our relationship with ourselves. So the work starts with who am I mm. and coming to terms with who I am in all my glory and all my shadow, all my light and shadow, and to eventually to a place of acceptance. So, Erica, over this pandemic there's been so much social isolation and we're talking about loneliness, but part of that has forced us to be in relationship with ourselves. And that's difficult, very, very difficult. And we've seen a lot of escalation in mental health issues. Understandably, one of the great tragedies of our world right now is we don't learn relationship skills. We do not learn how to be emotionally adult. We do not learn how to navigate conflict or difference or diversity. We do not learn how to own our parts and to know when boundaries are crossed or when we're crossing boundaries. And so emotionally, our world is starving for the feminine, for unconditional love. And where do we seek it? We seek it from partners. We seek it from friends. Uh, we can keep having the same battles with our childhood families and still mm. keep the same trigger points like a volcanic thing that goes off again and again because where they never saw us, they'll never see us. And mm -hmm. where we never see them, we'll never see them. And so we keep having these minefields, if you like, from our childhood. But we do get attracted to people we felt least loved by. We get very attracted to that and very drawn to that. And this is some of the work that we start to do in our Cellmates Soulmates course which I'm very, very passionate about. I have lived soulmate relationships, marriage, and I have learned what it takes to have a soulmate relationship. And I'm not talking happily ever after fairy mm. tales. Aren't we happy? I've ridden on the magic carpet to the castle and it's all love and light. Like there's real adult skills that are required to move from soulmate to soulmates. We've got to do it in ourselves first and not be putting expectations on friends and partners and even children or family mm -hmm. to heal those wounds that we have in ourselves. But that's what happens unconsciously. And then it feels too much for people and they go, I can't be dealing with this. So, you know, some personas are extraordinarily codependent. That's not a healthy thing to have in a relationship dynamic. 
and they ring and they text you all the time and they want to talk for five hours and then talk for another five hours and then they're feeling terrible and they're distressed and then they call you late at night and then when you're not there as the perfect ideal parent with open arms saying that you can do that whenever you like they lose the relationships and then they go into more trauma i'm so alone why don't people like me etc this is tragic because they're setting up being alone by the intensity of their neediness because they haven't learned how to come in and parent that particular persona and be the parent to themselves. We're no good in relationships unless we take responsibility for everything in our lives emotionally. What you get from a partner is a bonus. I always say that with my husband. What mm -hmm. I have with him is wonderful and delightful, chalk and cheese to where I was because we were both the worst versions of ourselves. When you're in a cellmate relationship, you are the worst version of yourself and you feel the least lovable and you trigger each other all the time. When you've got past that and you are taking full responsibility for my happiness, my fulfillment, my reactivity, my decisions, and you have another partner who's doing the same, this is where I'm going with soulmates to soulmates, Erica. And this course, there's a lot that needs to be gone through to understand that, but it's very empowering. And who doesn't want their relationships to improve? Mm, absolutely. So the soulmates to soulmates course is available now and um it's something i'd highly recommend it's a it's a course i've i've been part of and it's extremely eye-opening i've been in cellmate relationships too and it's um it's staggering how comfortable you can get in your discomfort in a cellmate relationship and it it might seem very hard to, to think of that relationship differently but from personal experience if you can apply the skills that you learn you learn to be comfortable at least with yourself. You've got no power over changing anyone else no. and how they behave. But if you can be comfortable with yourself and see the path for yourself, whether that is to, to stay, to change or to go, at least then you're walking your own path. You get your power back in the relationship, no matter what the outcome is. And you're owning every part of yourself and it's liberating. It's incredibly freeing. It is. So, I, so I this want is, to really jump in here. I rant all my life about what love is and what it bloody well isn't. And the child expects and talks about love in ways that's got nothing to do with love whatsoever. We may come to a relationship overly codependent, overly independent, overly dominating, overly subservient, overly distant. These are things that, depending on who we're with, can be very triggering for our partners and not helpful when we're in child in our relationships. And knowing this work and applying it to relationships as we do, that means when your partner is in child, instead of going in for battle, mm. which is a complete waste of time when anyone's in child, by the way, you love is I step back and I give you time and I recognise you're in pain, you're in fear, you're struggling, you're in self-rejection. Mm. And then we may address that down the road. I will say for a soulmate relationship to work, we need both parties able to own when they are coming from child afterwards and own how they are creating distance and sabotaging the relationship, usually unconsciously. You've both got to be able to do that. It can't be one person alone doing the work. But what have we got control over? We've got control over who are we and what are we bringing of ourselves to our relationships? So this is how to be the best version of yourself. 
in mm. your and also let's acknowledge that there are a lot of skills to be learned in how oh. to do this and this is what the course is about saying to own your stuff sounds great but that is hard it's painful those... it's confronting yeah. yeah but do you want to stop having those same excruciating painful moments those mm. same excruciating arguments that go nowhere, where he says this, she says this, they say that. Do you want to be able to not have to keep going down those merry-go-rounds that go nowhere? In fact, make us a little bit more separate every time we do them, do a little bit more mm -hmm. damage every time we do them. Do you want to be able to stop yourself having a nuclear explosion because radiation stays there forever? Do you want mm -hmm. to be able to stop contributing to the destruction of a relationship and know how to present in a loving way so much changes erica and having lived this fully and been very child and really struggled such a lot in my first marriage of 18 years i knew i had to learn how to cross that bridge myself before i could teach it so that's that's what i bring for the cellmates or soulmates course yeah no i i, I highly recommend it and learning those relationship skills bringing them into friendships you know, surrounding yourself with the family that you choose and having deep, intimate connections with people who love you for who you are, you know, not oh, in a romantic relationship, but from your friendships. I think there was a Harvard study done I think, 10 years ago, which um, you might correct me if I'm wrong, but it stated that the true indicator of a joyful and fulfilled life was the, uh, the quality of your relationships. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. How's, how's and, and so we want to be able to connect. And we have now learned through the pandemic that connection, meaningful connection with people and support and the ability to support others and be with people with difference <laughs> who are different to us. So you'll learn that even though I don't have a couple of personas or quite a few personas that my husband does, neither do you. Mm. But instead of trying to change someone, control someone manipulate someone to get them to be more like how we would like them to be more like us we can appreciate and learn and grow through the differences this is really really important in adult relationships mm. let's talk a little bit about applying the persona language when it comes to our families and our social blueprints so this comes up later on in the work when you've gotten to a point of quite good familiarity with the terms and with the work but I do want to cover it because when we talk about family blueprints and social blueprints we find where a, a lot of us have been stuck yes, uh, yes. from quite an early age yeah. I, can you talk to me a little bit about what what's the family blueprint and how does it affect us family blueprint is fascinating what we do in the these um, courses is we set out to understand the top four personas of your family. It's like you landed when you were born into a, a particular pond. And that's the energy of that environment because every persona archetype has its own energy and expectation and values and style and ways of being. And when you are born into that little pond there, that has a huge influence. If you are born into a family blueprint which says, I want you to live this way. I want you to go about it this way. This is how I expect you to behave in relationships. And this is also going to be important to you. And, and all of these things will have shadow in the family, of course, as well. And then in you come with your six personas and they're the opposite to some of those. And you're being drawn very carefully, strongly, subtly 
obviously all, all ranges, Erica, you need to live like this. You need to be a, and whatever that persona archetype is. Mm. And most of the time we are not what the family's true north is, number one persona where they derive sunshine, but that's not me. So most families, of course, have no knowledge of any of these things. So we get channeled and nurtured in our, or not, in our families, but told to go in a direction that actually feels like sun standing under the moon. It's fucking mm. freezing. It does mm. not warm my soul at all. And we feel a bit of a failure and we're just not excited about it and we're not energised and we keep running out of steam. And then we're told, you know, you're a failure. This is not good enough. You need to be doing it like this because for that person, that parent or the whole family, it's like, well, this is what matters. These are the priorities in life. And you go, I couldn't give a fuck about those. Seriously? Mm. Just, I don't <laughs> care. And just a little tip as well from 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 that little uh, little rant is look for your family blueprint strongest persona when you do your map because it's the possibility you will include that persona in your map even though you might not have it exactly. because you have been trained from a very early age to to have the values of that persona even yeah. though and it to might take not that path, Erica, like mm -hmm. to go and do those things and those careers and those courses or, mm -hmm. or whatever, those jobs. You've been, the family is like, I'll give you a tick of approval. We will love you if you go down that path, but we're not going to love you if you don't go down that path because this is the family blueprint. Mm -hmm. That is so, so interesting. So to reject the family blueprint, but it's a pressure that goes on forever and it's in our minds. So yes. even though we've left, you know, we're in our 30s, our 40s, our 20s, our 50s. The child in us still wants to get that unconditional love they never quite got. Mm. And they still want the family blueprint to go, very happy with your You've choices. Done well. Yes. Yeah. And yet, if I do that, I kill my soul. Yes. So and let's also acknowledge that for all of us who are parents out there, we might be doing this unconsciously to our own children are. right now. We are, I have three adult children and it's so fascinating because we've worked out the family blueprints for them and they weren't the same. Mm. They felt different pressures from our family of what they were supposed to be, how they were supposed to get there, how they should relate and what their number four was, this way of sabotaging the family that other people didn't see or and also a gift that came through number four. But they named it differently and they went, oh, my God, I always thought I was supposed to be a this and it killed me because I'm not. And I go, I get it. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Mm. Um, I understand now. Now, I wasn't consciously going, I'm going to try and make them be like that. No. But that were my personas. And so I kept going there. And for them, they didn't have it. Mm. And that felt the hardest thing of how I'm displeasing and how I'm, I'm being disapproved of. So that mm. is a measurement that's in our psyches forever. I'm supposed to be a this. And then when you do the family blueprint work, you go, oh, yeah, I'm thinking I'm trying to fit that to get the unconditional love. Well, it won't work. It's too late now. Long past childhood. Uh, what's my map? I'm going to make my decision according to my map now, not to try and unconsciously get the approval and love from my family blueprint. So it sets you free of this incredible burden. And we all have it. It's part of the school of life. We all have to work against family blueprints. And when you find out what you're not, you're on the way to finding who you are. Mm. and 
we've got some really good resources uh, for for working this kind of language on the website. One that I really love is your parenting podcast, because if we want to learn how to not put this expectation, this subconscious expectation and, and set of values on our own children or people in our homes, we need to know who they are. We need to acknowledge their personas. Learning how to spot personas in a three-year-old, in a six-year-old, in a 15-year-old will change your parenting. It'll change the language you use to talk to them. It'll change how, how you relate. It'll change how you encourage them. It's incredibly valuable, I think. It really is. With my three children, I speak completely differently. Mm. Because what, and I had to parent completely differently, I have to say, because they had different personas. And what worked for one definitely did not work for others. What motivated one was a turnoff for the other. So your children want you to see and understand and validate them and then support them when they get stuck and show them what the other side of the coin is. They actually want you to show them how do I get from my child's self destructive behaviors, which are fear based and self rejecting? Well, what do I need to do to move this persona from this to that? So the parenting podcasts are about that. Like, what do you need to do with your children? If you've got a child, what, whatever, what are the main lessons? What are they looking to you as a parent to be able to teach them? Again, we didn't learn this emotional intelligence anywhere mm-hmm. else. But you can say, I've had so much amazing feedback with this, Erica, because every parent, wants to feel closer to their child and feel like they're getting it right. And I can expect that they're going to keep hitting that same fault line. Even I've got kids coming into their 30s now and one is in their 30s. They hit that same fault line. I know what it is that I'm to support them from this to this, that one and that one. I don't have to do that, but I have to support them from this to this. But I I have a direction. When you're a parent, it can be so difficult to know what the hell do I do with this? I don't know what I'm dealing with. And, and then we can feel inadequate as parents. We all do. And I'm not getting it right. But when we see that our kids' struggling behaviours are simply their personas that are asking for, could you help me go from here to there with this? Because I keep shooting myself in the foot with it. And you'll know. And the kids will just, you'll have a much closer relationship. We've got mm. little kids' stories, audio stories, that my husband, who's a, um, a fabulous writer and children's author with 20 published books and other stuff that he writes as well. But we co-wrote children's stories, which was a lot of fun, and I recorded them. These are for kids from four years upwards. We'll go, that's me, mummy. Oh, daddy, that's me. Oh, you're that, daddy. You're that, aren't you? And it gives you a language. So we're not saying to the child, you're bad. We're just saying, oh, did your beaver get stuck today? Was that your swan? What should we do with our swan, do you think? And the stories have little little poems for them, little rhymes for them to remember when they get stuck, what to do. Incredibly helpful, inclusive, validating language. So I'm very passionate about the parenting thing because we want to have happier family lives. Mm. Yeah, and any any tools and resources to help that, I think, are just invaluable. The last thing I, I want to talk briefly about because we're talking about applications of the persona archetype language is applying it to what's happening in the news, what's happening Ah. in the world, what's happening politically, because some 
I mean, we're obviously aligned to different political parties. We have different values. Our compasses point in different directions when it comes to referendums and it comes to, you know, global events, uh, climate. You know, some people feel very strongly about certain things and some don't. So when you, you use persona archetypes language as a lens to interpret global events, and I find that fascinating to listen to. So can you just briefly explain how you do that? Well, this is very raven, but I've always loved history, psychology, sociology, politics. I've followed politics avidly since I was very young. At seven, I was watching election coverages and asking questions. It's just innate in me to want to know about this. What ravens like to do is to get the big picture of what's happening. And when you look at events and say, this is about this leading to this direction, that's very helpful to know what's going on. So we are in a transition time globally where millennia of how things have been are now decaying and dying right before our eyes. So we have the end, if you like, of the patriarchal dominant masculine rule, which had severed the feminine from all over the last few thousand years and put the feminine as less than and the masculine as, as godlike. We've all got masculine, feminine and neutral in us, Erica. So this is not about being anti-men. I, in my masculine, feminine, neutral particular makeup, which we all have one because it comes from our personas, because they all have a makeup of strengths and weaknesses in this way. I'm very strongly masculine first, very strongly, and then feminine, and then just a tad of neutral there, which is my work. I have to work on bringing that up to, to be um, more balanced. So our world is going through a massive change, and it can be very confronting. It, it's dying. The old systems are dying. And we're watching it shoot itself in the foot as we watch one empire literally crumble before us, which is the United States. They, their personas are lion, peacock, swan, beaver. We can see this really clearly. And how empires have died in history is exactly the same way. And guess what? It's the way the lions in child behave. So we have governments, we have leaders, we have politicians, we have countries that are more in child. And then we can have some that are more moving towards adult and they speak completely differently towards different values. Where you like to go will be more in line with your values according to your personas. But it's fascinating to see world events in how child they are, what it means collectively. Do we need to despair or do we need to understand that all of these things, and I, and I like to discuss this with my son, Jesse, who's even more avidly involved in politics and sociology than I am, and all of these things speaks this language fluently. We like to look at things through that lens to be able to make sense of it so that we can understand that as the masculine tapestry is un unraveling and we're seeing death and destruction and we're seeing what's been so corrupt and what is so unbalanced and so abusive and so appalling in the misuse of power and so unnurturing, as that unravels, it's quite shocking and confronting and people can go, what's the point? But it has to unravel. And then each of us came in with our own thread, which in adult elder has a feminine flavor to it. And we want to reweave the world with feminine values, inclusiveness, kindness, love, supporting all, tolerance, embracing diversity 
absolutely caring for women and children, making sure the children are looked after and nurtured and safe. Lots of value, making sure the planet is nurtured and safe. All of, there's so many dimensions to this. I can't do it justice here, mm. but everything can be looked through, at through an archetypal lens. Archetypes have been here since the beginning of time. They are energies. There's nothing you can look at, any movie, any story, any news event, which doesn't expose the archetypes. It just helps us understand what's going on and realise that this is necessary. If we want a new world, it's not I'll just sit there and do an affirmation and we've got a whole new world and everyone mm. gets along with each other and it's all happy. The ugliness has to come out first for the real healing to happen. And it's actually a sign of progress. And as we seem to go into chaos, it's actually a time of loosening how things have been so that they can be reweaved. And that's not from a benevolent leader or dictator. That's actually, it's, it's a grassroots movement from every one of us. Mm. I love, I love the different areas you can bring this language into to understand things. I mean, I consider myself relatively well-read, but grasping the global the global view of things like that from the perspective of personas in child and personas in adult because you can see this in world leaders you'll be able to pick it there was one in particular in america that particularly liked his his child rants in media um and when you can spot it you can be more confident in your own stance you can see where you're drawn to you can see where you can make a difference in the world using your adult using your gifts using your knowledge and you can get in you can engage you can engage like you said on a grassroots level you yeah. can start to make global changes in your community that's it it's just little bits that we do each day in our focus it's being part of the solution and mm. and knowing oh this is what i'm about so this is where i'm going to make my contribution but if we're all doing that there's so many more of us than what has been it's interesting i want to just point out to people as well erica that when the masculine is being removed from power. If a lion's getting removed from power, they don't do it gracefully. <laughs> They're kicking and screaming and we'll see more desperate survival strategies to try and stay in power. But it's too late. The train mm. has left the station. It's been moving for a very long time, at least since the 60s. And the consciousness globally now and even after the pandemic, that connection care for each other, providing for all, letting no one be unfed, homeless, left without food, alone, trying to parent. All of these things that we've taken for granted in our world that's led to the epidemic of mental health crises and poverty in our world, we've all had enough. We've absolutely had enough. The planet's had enough and we can see with the climate crises. It's reflected in the huge events that happen all the time now. And we really need to get up and step in and make our contribution so that was the ultimate purpose of this language to give you the confidence to say well I'm passionate about this and I love this and it's in my map so I've thought about doing this well I will now and if we all do that we can't all change the world and not who wants to but our little bit does make a difference and makes a huge difference thank you Katie um I hope you've enjoyed this introduction to the persona archetypes podcast series if if you want to get involved, if you want to start your journey, we welcome you with open arms. And I would love for you to join our Facebook community um, called Persona Archetypes. You'll find us on Facebook. 
Thank you, Katie. It's been such a pleasure to do these these introductory episodes with you. I think we've gotten into quite close detail, actually. I don't know if this would be considered a beginner's guide by any accounts. We've, we've gone quite deep. Hopefully people are still listening and getting getting excited about getting involved. That's what we hope. And yes, we can't help but want to give away an enormous amount of this because we are excited by the potential. It's not even potential. We have seen this work in people's lives over and over and over and over again. And anyone who might be interested and wants to pick up the keys that we're giving them, give it a go. Uh, you will see change and meaningful change more rapidly than you would believe possible. And that brings us joy because that was the whole point of this. That was the whole point of this work. So thank you, Erica. It's been lovely talking to you. I can talk about this underwater, as you know, but here we are. <laughs> We're going to have a little bit of fun, other podcasts coming up fairly soon, a different series called Potluck Personas where I'm going to interview some people who know their maps and we're going to talk about their maps and they're going to describe to you what it means that they've got this one here and then their combination with this one here. It's so fascinating. People's stories are the best, aren't they? And to hear their maps, when when it's a bit like yours, you go, oh, I get that. Wow, that might be a bit like me. Oh, I'm so not like that, but that's my daughter. It's it's just a little bit of a, a glimpse into what makes us who we are. Great. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Erica. We'll see you all another time.